I'm going to invite you to turn to uh, the uh, following reading in your Bible, which turn to the Gospel of John. Nope. 1 John, chapter 2. 1 John, chapter 2. Starting at verse 15. It'll be page 1211 in your Pew Bible. Page 1211. I'm having a bout with insecurity here, and I want to double-check myself. (laughs) Yeah, 1 John, that's right. Oh, my goodness. What a week this has been. I had to do a lot of work early this week because my ability to type was curtailed early on Wednesday morning with a minor hand surgery, but it leaves you a little swollen. And if you think my typos are bad on a good day, well, it's a different story now. So we're looking at 1 John, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 29. I'm going to read, and if you just follow along with me, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes of pride and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Children, it is our last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, no, so now many antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you All have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will be able, uh, be, <laughs> will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as just as it has taught you abide in him. And now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. 
If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, how many times did you hear the word abide? How many times did you hear the word antichrist? For this particular application, I'd like you to consider the word antichrist uh, replace it with a word that I use often in our, in our times together, the word counterfeit, right? The Antichrist is the counterfeit. It's the funny money. It's the stuff that looks like it's real, but it's not. You know, most of us really don't have any difficulty if we've been raised in church recognizing things that are just not Christian. But there are an awful lot of things that seem very convincing that turn out to be counterfeits. And so this word abide is said over and over and over again in this passage. And you start wondering what's going on with that. Well, if you can imagine the word abide meaning indwelling. If abide meant have that a to dwell in you, you know, you can, I don't know why my mind works the way it does sometimes. The first thought I had just now was, you know, like a tapeworm dwells in you. <laughs> what kind of a bizarre thing is that to think? But you get the point, right? You get the point. You know, he's saying abide in you because he wants you to hear that you should have it living in you. You should have what living in you? Go ahead, say it. Not a tapeworm. God, forgive me for what I just did. A Holy Spirit dwelling in you, right? That's what he's talking about. If you read it carefully, you can see that what he's saying is that you have a certain anointing that helps you hear the truth and see the truth and, and that abides in you, it lives in you. This goes all the way back to this reason we greet each other as family. Because when you're born again and you're born in the Holy Spirit, this is the same Holy Spirit that you could think of as the DNA of God. And you've been given that DNA and now that Holy Spirit has made all of us genetically sons and daughters of God in the spiritual sense, and that's why we're family. But it's also that same Holy Spirit dwelling in you that gives you the ability to recognize lie when it's a lie and recognize the truth when it's the truth. That takes practice, of course, and you have to learn to work with the Holy Spirit. You know, I just thought of another funny. This one should redeem the last one. The first example I gave you was about a parasite, but the second example I've given you is about a paraclete. Nice save, don't you think? Paraclete is a word that's Greek for the comforter, the one who comes alongside the Holy Spirit. You know who gave us that concept? The Apostle John. And so in our discussion of the apostolic tradition, the last of the apostles we'll talk about in this series is John. Now you remember John and uh, his brother James. You remember we talked about James a month or so ago and, and, and Jesus called them the thun, uh, sons of thunder, right? He called them the sons of thunder 
And I think as I look at John uh, the Apostle and where he came from and where he ended up, I think it might be okay to say that if James, his brother, was the thunder, then John was the lightning, right? They were sons of thunder, according to Jesus, but I think John was the lightning, now, why do I say that? Because we saw James in our previous visit to him as a leader and a man of action, a guy who, who ordered and organized things. He knew how to run his fishing business, so he was able to also run uh, the burgeoning church in Jerusalem. But now we look at John, and what we find with John is, is a person who is uh, contemplative who is knowledgeable and, and deeply insightful. You know, he was probably the kid they put in right field and he was looking at the clovers and the daisies and things. And then when the crack of the bat happened, it, you know, if he was lucky, he was paying attention at the right moment. That, that was a better way to look at John. And that meant that John had a, a sensitivity, he had a perceptivity that gave him the ability to see and communicate things to us that have been incredibly important to the spiritual journey of every Christian believer throughout the Christian age. Things that we need to know, but no one else revealed as completely came to us from John. You'll uh, know that in uh, the four Gospels, there are three they refer to as the synoptics, meaning that they kind of go together. They all say similar things, and there are places where they're downright parallel, and then there's John. John is going at it from a different angle. Each of the four Gospels shows us specific characteristics of Jesus. They cast Jesus in a particular light, and that's why the four together give us such a complete understanding. But no one digs into the divine nature of Jesus Christ as thoroughly as John. John is referred to in his own gospel as the one Jesus loved. And sometimes we think about that, we go, well, that's a pretty snooty, uppity thing for him to say. But really all it means is, is that that John had this intimate understanding of Jesus. And I sense that Jesus really appreciated that. Do you really think Jesus could love one more than another? Probably not. But John understood what it meant to Jesus, it seems, that Jesus could be seen in that divine light by John. And then we see ourselves we get to see the Savior in this special way because of John. So John's the one who gives us this beautiful, beautiful description of Jesus that, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then the Word came to dwell among us, and what a beautiful expression of who Jesus is. He's the very heart and mind of God, and John gave us that. John was able to see that when others were looking at him as this one who fulfills certain prophecies and who completes what was begun by Moses. And, you know, all of those things are important, but, but John sees in a more intimate way 
what's really going on here. He gives us insight that the, Paul, the Apostle Paul will leverage in order for us to understand God's divine purpose. What this is all about in the largest sense of things. And it is about God's love for the Son, the Word, Jesus God's desire to create a companion, a perfect companion for all eternity, for God's Son. And the love of the Son expressed back to the Lord God through this, this intimate relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And somehow we fit into all of that. And so we're awash in this love. We get all of this from John. And it's so important to understand that love is what's driving it. And John is the one who helps us to understand that it's all about love. That it's all about God's love. And the love that God desires for us to express. It's just no wonder, no wonder John tells us in that reading we just uh, visited when he says, you know, you're going to have to beware of all of these counterfeits. You're going to have to be aware of all of these temptations to drift away from the heart and mind of God. And the only way you can really stay centered in the heart and mind of God is to let him dwell in you, to just invite his spirit, which is the heart and mind of God, to impact every part of your being so that you are one with the Father, abiding in him, in this holiness of heart and mind. We get this concept from John. Thank goodness he was so perceptive, so spiritually attuned. So it shouldn't surprise us then that John is the one who, at the near the end of his life, who is... Uh, by the way, you know, John is probably the only apostle who died a natural death. And John is on the island of Patmos being uh, exiled from the Christian community, thinking that this might somehow s sort of suppress or oppress the Christian movement. Of course, that never works. But it's John who tells us about his invitation into the sacred realm of God in heaven. He's the one who gets to step outside of space and time and see the future in the present tense. He gets to see the complete culmination of God's plan for creation. God's judgment is all visible to John in this moment. Well, who better than John, really? You know, Jesus did seem to have a particular warmth for John after all. And I don't think that it can be measured in human terms of who do you love more. But we do see John as the one Jesus chose from the cross to take care of his mother in the future, for example. We see John then as the one who reveals to us the unique insight into the Lord's Supper so that we recognize it as the fulfillment of the Passover covenant and the new covenant in Christ. He's the one that gave us that 
particular insight that ties all of Judeo-Christian history together in the Lord's Supper. And so now John being invited into heaven to witness the future in a form of revelation that tells us what God's plan of judgment and restoration and new creation is. He's the one that got to see all of that. And you know why? Because once again, Jesus Christ is saying, I asked you to take care of my mom. Now I want you to take care of my bride. I want you to watch out for my bride. Let them know what to look out for. Let them know how all of this will turn out because now I'm charging you with that responsibility. So maybe John is a pretty important guy to us and we should be thankful for the gifts God gives through the Apostle John. See, for, for John, we can be great to John we can be grateful for the fact that he takes this story of Jesus from being a an account of a historical figure to being an account of the son of god the very son of god and in that way he has done exactly what Jesus asked him to do the second time which is take care of my bride until I return to collector. So I'd like to pose a couple of things to you for just a moment. I'd like you to think with me for a minute about what kind of Christian you are. We have a couple of more stops along the way in our journey of examining the apostolic tradition. Next week, we're gonna talk about women of the Bible who are part of the apostolic tradition. And the week after that, we're gonna talk about the most important woman in the Bible, Mother Mary. And these will be the concluding messages of our apostolic tradition series. But for now, what do you see yourself being in the apostolic tradition? Are you like John? Are you a thinker? Are you? I remember when I was telling you about James, John's brother, I compared it to my brother Dave and me. I'm still seeing it, Dave. I don't know whether you're watching or not, but I'm seeing it. And it's easy to imagine that my brother Dave would be impatient with me for being like John and looking into the little details and trying to see the, the, the cosmic nature of things, you know. And, and then, you know, my brother would say, then there are things that need to be done. It's time to get your head out of the clouds and get to work. And it turns out that here in the church and body of Christ, it's the same way. The reason you need to be part of a Christian family like Shiloh Church is because together we can do what God wants us to do for the sake of our community. And it'll take some egg-headed thinkers and it'll take some practical, pragmatic people who just know how to get things done. It'll take people with good mind for numbers and people who are very philosophically oriented. It will take people of every type in order for the body of Christ to be a family of God that really effectively impacts the community for Christ's sake. And that's why we need to keep being here together. It's why the Apostle Paul says, don't stop gathering together. You know, you can, you know, I, listen, it's hunting season and I have known hundreds and hundreds of people who have said to me, I don't need to go to church. I can meet with the Lord in the woods. 
Yes, you can, and a contemplative experience is always a healthy part of a Christian journey. But it makes no difference whatsoever if you don't in, then in turn turn around and be part of a Christian community to take what you thought about and put it into action. So sorry, when you're done meeting God in the woods and catching something good to eat, come back into the church and tell us what God told you while you were out there because we need to hear it. And we need someone else who might show us action to take and so on. The Christian community isn't much good to the outer community if all we do is take what we are given as consumers. If all we do in church is consume, then we've done very little to serve the Lord. When you come to church to receive rather than to partake in the divine nature, then you're disappointing the Lord by not being part of what he's doing. That's what John meant when he told us in the beginning of that reading that we had. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's what he meant. Love the Lord. And what you do in the world and what you bring from the world that is your life to his presence will be sanctified. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for your word. And thank you especially for John and what he has given us from you. Lord, take all of those among us who are Johns or Peters or Jameses or Andrews or any of the others, take them in our midst and help them be a unique and diverse body devoted to you, sanctified by you, and then glorifying your name through love, grace, mercy, and service. We pray for your name's sake. Amen. Let's affirm our faith quickly with the Apostles' Creed, and then I'll invite you to more acts of worship. Let's join together in this profession of faith in the apostolic tradition. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. And and dead and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of the world to come. Amen. Now, brothers and sisters, if you will worship God with God's tithes and your offerings, the ushers will serve you.
Thank you, Jackie. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who earnestly repent of sin and eagerly desire to be at peace with one another. Think about that. I say it every week, and that means that it gets familiar, but think about what we're saying. Don't come to the Lord's table unless you're ready to break bread with people you love, people you think of as family. And in order for you to do that, the first thing you have to do is be reconciled with our Lord Jesus Christ and his heavenly Father so that we are reconciled through repentance, grace, and forgiveness. So let us earnestly repent of our sin. O Lord, there never seems to be enough time to do all the things that are demanded of us. Schedules become crowded. We live by the clock. We think we are ready for all events that will come our way, but we are rarely ready for you. We would like you to come to us at a planned time so that we can fit you into our busy lives. Forgive us, Lord, for trying to make you a scheduled event. We have moved you to a time on our weekly calendars, yet you are the eternal God who has always loved us and been ready to receive us. Help us to learn that. With you as our foundation, we can handle anything that comes our way. With you as our focus, all things pale in comparison. Let us look at the priorities in our lives and see where we have placed service to you. Amen.